0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters on BFM 89.9. This is the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Keith Calm. First casualty when war comes is truth. That is a 1918 quote by US Senator Hiram Warren Johnson and echoed many times since then. That is also the same introduction I used for a previous edition of Pressing Matters when I spoke with the Public Broadcasting Company of Ukraine. Go and listen to that podcast. Also, while that quote is over a century old, it still resonates today. This time around, I'm speaking to Sunny Shui, the founder of Frontier Myanmar. Welcome to the program, Sunny. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me. Very honored. First of all, Sunny, you aren't exactly even in Myanmar right now and you operate outside the country. Where are you exactly? Correct. So, because of the February coup
0: after 2020 election, me and my team had to relocate to Chiang Mai,
1: Northern Thailand. So, we're based here now. We are producing from here. So a little bit of background on Frontier Myanmar. On your website, Frontier Myanmar prides itself in providing readers balanced, in-depth reporting and insights from the ground to help them make sense of what is happening in the country. You weren't always based outside of Myanmar. How did it all start back in 2015, after that general election that saw Aung San Suu Kyi's NLD win? That's the National League for Democracy. Correct. Yes. So we launched Frontier
0: on the July of 2015. Our main aim is to cover this 2015 general elections and knowing that we would do well and then we would earn a lot of credit if we do it professionally and correctly. And sort of like going for a shortcut, you know, to Mm -hmm. gain, how do you say, uh, recognition. And um, me and my team already have a lot of experience back in 2004 with the Myanmar Times, but this is a brand new publication. So we need to Build our credibility and the trust from our readers. So, going for this uh, election would be a, a kind of like a shortcut to gain more traction. So, there was a purpose that we launched right before 2015 elections. Who were your backers um, at yeah. the time? No, no one. Just me and my former partner from Singapore,
1: we started our own, basically, out of our own pocket. So it's basically what you can consider as a very much a private, non-aligned type publication, right? Yes, it's always been like that, yes. Completely independent, yes. What was the sense that you were getting at that time, back in 2015, when you started Frontier, with regards to media freedom in the country? Because prior to that, I remember my visits to Myanmar. All I managed to read was The uh, New Light of Myanmar. That was when the military was in power. What was the sense of media freedom like after 2050?
0: Uh, actually, I would say the Myanmar press freedom kind of flourished, started to blossom in 2010. That was right before NLD, how do you say NLD era, right? That yeah. was the Utein Saints. So that was the uh, uh, Utein uh, Saints, SPTC's party won the uh, election and President Bainstein actually opened up pretty much everything because he considered media development as one of the top three priorities to, how do you say, strengthen and give more freedom to it. So actually, when we talk about the press freedom, it's all started from 2010 after Bainstein took over the power. It's gradually opened up until 2015, 2016, up to NLD elections,
1: yeah. Give, give us a sense of how involved the uh, Myanmar people are you know what do editorials and opinions look like in the press can they be critical of the government or or I mean, they, do they have to well, that, right? I
0: mean well I, I would say between 2010 and 2015 is probably when well, we talk about free and press that's a golden age but because we they changed they started changing all the how do you say it, the regulations. They invited international players inside the country. They allowed to register, you know, like AP writers, you know, all international wire services came to Myanmar. And then we were having those trainings and conferences. We were basically systematically opening up for the press freedom. So we have a lot of great, great quality journalism. I would say, you know, you don't want to criticize too much, but I think it was great. It's a lot better compared to now, right? So... <laughs> We've been very, very critical since we we first started in 2015. But of course,
1: it's all about constructive criticism that we use to stay away from the problems. <laughs> that's, that's the key word there. But obviously, things took a turn for the worst after the 2020 general election. That's before the military coup in February the following year. What was the sense amongst journalists that things were going to turn bad pretty quickly? Oh, it's already did. It's completely ruined our media landscape even before the election. Okay, so
0: 2010 to 2015, that was the golden era. I mean, everything opened, you know, like in terms of private media development, private daily newspapers all started. So that was great. But after NLD government took over the power, Mm -hmm. the media development didn't seem to be the top three priority. So it kind of stopped there. But then... I know the government, if we look at the statistics, uh, they arrested more activists and journalists while they were in power. But, but you know, compared to 2010 to 2015, 2015 to 2020 has less press freedom. Yeah. But still, we are being able to talk about it, speak about it, publish about it. And then I think even within the ASEAN, we were doing really, really good in terms of our press freedom index globally, right? We were improving a lot. But now, since after the coup, I mean, military junta, they quickly take away, uh, revoked the license of the mainstream media. I think very first time up to five. And now I think there were more than 12 media houses license were revoked. So to make the long story short, everybody actually either leaves the country or they want underground. So there are three types of publishing in Myanmar at the moment. One is the pro-military. They can publish and run your organization inside the country. The second type is the underground. People still inside Myanmar, but they are doing it very discreetly. They're taking a lot of risks. And third is like us, we left and we are publishing from continuing our focus in Myanmar from abroad. Right? It could be Thailand, could be Norway, could be Australia, uh, so forth. Because mainstream medias were completely oppressed and completely destroyed a lot of people lost their jobs and you know to be honest four or five months into the coup we have to stop carrying our cameras uh, because they will arrest you right away and we have to be very careful when we cover the demonstration on the streets because they first they start using the rubber bullets then they were using live rounds and a lot of people get injured and you know, it's a whole chaos, right? So in, in terms of industry, it's collapsed because we can't get a proper revenue stream going. But we don't have support from the government, so military, so, you know, everybody has to run. And now we have very little qualified journalists inside of Myanmar because everybody had... Had run, to leave, yeah. Um, almost, yeah. And then we are relying too much on citizen journalists. So that's the truth at the moment. And
1: uh, it's quite difficult to walk, actually. Sorry, just to get to know you a little bit better, mm-hmm. you are no stranger to how the military runs things over there because I read that you have actually been in prison in the early 2000s. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What happened? That was a
0: previous regime mm-hmm. that was still under the military government. So I launched, my started, Myanmar Times, with my Australian partner uh, back in the year 2000, and we were doing quite well both editorially and financially. That was when the print media was doing really well with advertising model and and the circulation model. So we have tons of subscriptions and a lot of circulations, and our people getting fatter and fatter uh, because of the too much advertising. Um, so it was really well. But on the other hand, we have a full censorship. Everything, every piece that we we publish needed to, how do you say, edited, uh, censored by the special censorship body. Okay. And um, otherwise, we won't get published. So we call it pre censorship before publishing. Now it's censorship after publishing. Still, there is a censorship, but after publishing. But now it's almost everything is censored, right? Um, but yeah, well, we were trying to push the boundary every day with this censorship body. And we fight, we argue. For the first a couple of years, was very difficult. But then we managed to build the trust between our editorial body and the, and the censorship body. So things were moving quite well
1: after that. So that's how we, we managed to, to, to keep uh, afloat. Basically. On pressing matters this week is Sunny Sui, the founder of Frontier Myanmar. In a little while, we'll find out about the challenges in obtaining funding and staying afloat, BFM 89.9. This is Pressing Matters on BFM 89.9. Talking to me from Chiang Mai, Thailand, just across the border from his home country of Myanmar, is Sunny Sui, the founder of Frontier Myanmar. Sunny, Frontier Myanmar was a print publication at one time. Now, you guys are purely online. On your website, you claim you continue to deliver in-depth reports from all corners of Myanmar, making space for overlooked voices and issues, and reporting the uncensored truth. How do you do that from outside the country? What are the challenges like? Right. I can talk about the challenges all day, all night. Uh, We have plenty of challenges.
0: But yes, we started as a print magazine because Yamaha Times model was really working very well. So that was the business model that I memorized. And that's how I started with Frontier and it was wrong. After eight and a half years in prison, you know, the whole thing changed, right? The rise of the technology, how do you say? It It has changed everything, the way we practice, the way we publish. So even we didn't do well as a print publication. So we decided to look for alternative revenue stream. We were thinking of doing hard meter to p wall, b p wall, you know, all the models that we consider. But then we decided to go for memberships model in 2018, Frontier 1, VNI talents from Google. And so Google supported us to start this memberships program. And that's how we started right before the pandemic, not knowing that pandemic and the coup is coming. (laughs) So we were quite lucky that we we did 14 months. There were research and we rolled out our membership program in 2000, February 1st, 2000.
1: So that really helped us basically to survive. You don't actually have a paywall, right? I mean, it's still a pretty much, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a membership model. But how is the reception like? Who are some of your members? Are they mostly from the Myanmar diaspora, or are there a lot of foreigners as well? Uh, Whoever involved with Myanmar, basically
0: diplomats, NGOs, CSOs, government, high rank officers, CEOs. So I would say academics, right? And and the journalists. So these movers and shakers. I'm very lucky to have this very niche penetration, niche layer that I, I have now. It's all about community building, basically. It's a membership model, but we simply announced we want to build a community around the responsible journalists and please sign up. So we started very, very small and we kept snowballing and now we have more than 20,000 community members and this is how how it is. Nice. Um, and it's a new model and it's all digital, fully digital. We are producing very remotely. I have a very diverse newsroom Uh, Around the world. So, yeah, it's quite lucky that we switched to digital right on time. And now it's quite, how do you say, I call this, it's a golden era because, you know, it's not like everybody is saying like, you know, media is dying, which which is not true. I mean, I embrace the technology and, you know, I'm using technology and then the journalism and then that's how I survive. For example, I hire... Data scientists, data analysts, and researchers, Mm -hmm. and I put everyone in the same newsroom together with our investigative journalists and editors. And so we're using machine, we're using technology, and we're using high-quality journalism to produce uh,
1: newsletters for our community members. Sunny, your sources from Myanmar, from inside Myanmar, who are they? Independent journalists, citizen journalists? How do they function? It must be quite risky for them as well, right? Correct. Yes. Um, so we don't have to rush,
0: luckily, because we stay away from breaking news and hard news. Okay. We only report on what affects, uh, how coup cool affected, yeah. you know, our society, our economy. So it's like coup-related, cool coup-affected cool angles that we are reporting. So yes, to answer your question, we are still using the same old sources. Difficult to gain new sources. Uh, we're still using Myanmar numbers to call our sources because a lot of people do not comfortable seeing the international phone calls and stuff. So, yeah, uh, that's, it, it takes a lot longer. Normally, you know, we finish about, we can get a story done in about two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Now it, it takes about a month, a month and a half to finish a story. So we just keep trying because of the electricity cut and the very slow internet in mm-hmm. Myanmar. Things that didn't
1: really work out that smoothly. but right. I mean this is a new normal and we're used to it. You're physically in Thailand, how do you operate there? what the regulations like uh, your visa situation for example I presume that you are still a Myanmar national right with a Myanmar passport? Correct. yes so I'm operating under another entity. Uh, in Thailand I don't
0: really want to talk about this a lot because it's quite risky. Okay. We set up an entity and we are paying tax you know everybody is operating legally. And according to Thai uh, standard, then also, you know, we don't touch Thai politics. Uh, we stay away from Thai politics. We are focusing hundred percent on Myanmar and we don't we, we don't really rock the boat. So we we Lilo, we try to do our best
1: very discreetly. Talk to me about the talents that you employ in Chiang Mai right now. Are they Myanmar nationals or what sort of talents do you employ? Uh, so it's the
0: same team. I basically managed to bring them out from Myanmar. So okay. this is still still my team from Myanmar. So it's not they, they would not be going back anymore, right? I'm just we curious. Can't, we yeah. can't we can't at the moment. So I mean the other one because of the investigative orders, yeah. Right, we trained them and we got a lot of training from other organizations and also we train them on a daily basis. So uh, happy to very lucky to have my team, the whole team. And get to work together uh, uh, in, in Thailand. Of course, uh, it's still very difficult. But yeah,
1: I'm not firing anyone from Thailand. I am still keeping my same team. How do you ensure that the content that you put out is actually consumed by the people that that matters most, i.e., your countrymen? I mean, you you alluded to the fact that the internet connection is is quite slow and and patchy in places in in Myanmar. How do you make sure that the people over there would get the news that is actually targeted at them? Right. So we have two ways of reporting. It's pretty funny. I have
0: let's say I have two different news from. One is a regular reporting. We're doing long form, in depth stories, and we upload it on our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and our on our websites. It's for free because a lot of people cannot afford to subscribe. Right. That was when I was doing the. The magazine right print magazine. Um, our pass on readership was quite high one is to to five right One magazine is to five people. But now we want to keep everything uh, for free. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I have this community that support my journalism, support my mission. So I take money from these, how do you say donors and uh, subscribers. And then I produce the news and I actually make it available for free for everyone. But for the community, for for the supporters, I give back our newsletters. There are five different kinds of newsletters that we are producing. So we basically push it out to their email. Via, we're using MailChimp. So it doesn't really need high-speed internet. Uh, you can even read it without internet so that's how it is Uh, for the ordinary uh, novel uh, publishing everything is available on the website whenever
1: we have electricity connection we just download it that's that's how sunny sunny where do you see the future of uh, frontier myanmar you you are now a newsroom albeit a newsroom in exile you have podcasts that you put out every now and then Maybe are you looking at perhaps a radio station or a, or a TV channel or or something? Where are we going with the frontier of Myanmar?
0: Well, I I don't think I can do TV channel or radio station from out of Thailand because of the regulations are quite tough, and also it's not part of it's not in the pipeline. Uh, Keith, the interesting thing is, you know, when you ask me if you asked me ten years ago what is my dream, the same question, I would say I want to have a newsroom like CNN, BBC, you know, yeah. it's a huge newsroom with with the broadcasting. That was my dream. But after this community, after we built this community, we know how impactful it is. And then, you know, just keep serving the community. I think that's the solution. That's that's pretty much the trend also. So I think my future is very simple. We We will be Working hard to to serve our community, uh, trying to solve their, their daily problems. Uh, but that's about it. Um, yeah, that's that's a five years. I, I think will. Um, I'm not sure I, I will survive ten years not because all the fundings are drying up, and uh, it's very difficult to to create revenue stream at the moment. So yeah. So the five years, five years, five years uh, plan. <laughs> Sunny Shui, Jezutin we wish you all the best. Thank
1: you so much, Kate, And uh, and I'm saying goodbye to all your listeners here. Um, yeah. I've been speaking to Sunny Shui, the founder of Frontier Myanmar, a newsroom in exile, striving to bring independent, high-quality journalism to a country where press freedom is currently a foreign concept and hoping to make some money out of it as well. If you've missed any part of this conversation, go to bfm.my to download the podcast. We are also available on Spotify. This has been Pressing Matters. I'm Keith Kham for BFM 89.9 The Business Station.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.